Okay, so we're into the next circle of functioning. So we're looking at feelings. And um, our emotional state, to one degree or another, actually sets the tone of our lives. If we're experiencing largely negative emotions, like a lot of anger, depression, anxiety, guilt, we're not going to be very happy people, are we? Um, and so, whereas if we are experiencing some joy, we're experiencing warm, loving emotions, we're experiencing um, feelings of happiness and enthusiasm, whatever it might be, those then set the tone of our lives. Um, Emotions are normal. It's normal that everybody experiences these things. And life is hard, isn't it? You're never going to live a life free of negative emotions. We're all going to be experiencing those to one degree or another. But the problem is, when we are experiencing unnecessary negative emotions, okay? And we'll explain what that means later on. Unnecessary negative emotions. You're unnecessarily anxious. You're, you're depressed when you actually need not be. And those things can plague our lives and bring us down and really reduce the quality of our lives. And so we need to look at this whole emotional area and get a really balanced picture of how God made us and how we meant to be functioning. So, obviously... Um, we are living again in a fallen state. Our emotions are not as they were when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. They didn't know what negative emotions were. Imagine that. It's just amazing. They never experienced any of those sad, unhappy, depressed, anxious, stressed emotions. Their lives were just sheer joy and peace and wonder and love and yeah but unfortunately that's not our condition um, but we need to develop what's called an EQ what's an EQ? do you know that phrase? emotional quotient we know about IQ don't we? you might even know what your IQ is you might have taken a test and know what your IQ is but we're talking here about EQ, which is an awareness of your emotional state and that of others around you, and the ability to manage your emotions in an appropriate and healthy manner. Okay, so that's what we're aiming for in this circle. Is that at the end of this process, we would be emotionally healthy, be able to be aware of our emotions, and to be able to deal with them and manage them in an appropriate and healthy manner. And that's the aim of working with people in this circle. So many of us have been brought up to believe that negative emotions like anger, anxiety, and depression are wrong. Anybody relate with that? Yeah. yeah. And particularly in Christian circles, <coughs> you shouldn't be depressed. You should have faith. How can you be depressed? Or anxious. Where's your faith? Why are you fearful? Why are you anxious? And um, often feel guilty about feeling the way that we do. 
And generally we don't, men particularly, don't do so well on the EQ. Um, what are you taught when you're growing up as a young boy? Boys don't cry. Be strong. Be brave. Isn't that what you were told growing up? Don't express that emotion. Be manly. You know, be a man. And don't cry. Don't show your emotions. And we often, I think, um, feel that if, if I show my emotions, I might get out of control make a fool of myself and lose that control. But emotions are part of being human and actually when we look at scriptures it's amazing to see um, how God is described as having so many emotions. Um, the Lord is angry, the Lord experiences wrath, the Lord is grieved, um, he takes great delight in us, he rejoices, and his heart is filled with pain. Isn't that amazing? All those descriptions of God is experiencing all those negative emotions, actually. Most of them there are negative emotions. And then Jesus experienced anger. And you look at Jesus. Jesus was probably the most emotionally healthy human being that's ever lived. He knew how to handle his emotions. He was incredibly in touch with his emotions. He expressed them. He felt them. And he expressed them appropriately. He never sinned in the way that he expressed his emotions. When was he angry? Can you think of an example of when Jesus was angry? Temple. Yeah, the temple when he upset all their tables and chased them all out. And you see Jesus' frustration sometimes. Oh, how long am I going to be with you? You know, you guys are driving me crazy because you just don't get it. Um, that was his frustration, wasn't it? Uh, what about um, an expression of rejection? Can any of you think of a time in Jesus' life? <laughs> yes, on the cross, absolutely. He experienced the rejection of the Father, actually. The Father turned away from him. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's also anguish and sorrow is covered there, isn't it? What about um, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the stones the prophets? How often did I gather Jesus at him? There was a terrible rejection of him. Um, yeah, and then of course he experienced joy as well. He said, Lord, I'm so, it's just amazing. You've revealed all this stuff to these babies and you've hidden it from the wise. And uh, yeah, all the wise ones. And you've shown it to these simple fishermen. So, um, the scriptures are there, and Jesus is there, um, showing us actually how to express emotions. Um, so what are the ways um, that we can use these emotions? We can use them either constructively, or we can use them destructively, and he's going to talk to that. Okay, so <clears throat> what the message that we're trying to get across is that emotions, negative and positive, are normal. We are created in the image of God. And we've just looked at God and Jesus experience these emotions. And if we, we've got to get over this thing that if I feel something negative particularly, if I'm angry, if I'm anxious, then I'm a bad person to feel those things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Normal, natural to feel those things. However, 
what we do with the emotion does count. So, unpleasant event. Let's say um, somebody has, you've heard via, 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 someone's been scanning about you. How does that make you feel? Angry. Angry. Yeah. Disappointed, maybe. Whatever. Yeah, not very pleasant, is it? It's an unpleasant event, uh, unpleasant emotion. So, that's normal. Jesus was upset that Jerusalem didn't accept him. And what about that time when he, when he said, um, you know, a prophet is not accepted um, by his own people, basically. You know, he wanted them to, to hear his message, but they wouldn't. So he was disappointed. And so, unpleasant event, unpleasant emotion. But we can deal with it constructively or destructively. If I have this unpleasant event, unpleasant emotion, the constructive way might be to... Uh, maybe express it, I feel disappointed, I feel hurt, uh, say to the person, uh, you know, I feel uh, betrayed, whatever it is, but then having expressed it to them, okay, I'm going to forgive you. <laughs> Not so easy, eh? but it is the constructive way. The destructive way would be to say, I'm going to have nothing more to do with you, my friend. You talk to, about me behind my back, you forget. And what's more, I'm going to tell everyone what a jolly skinnerer you are. <laughs> Does that make sense? So in other words, the negative emotion itself is, is absolutely normal. What we do with it counts. Let me give an example of this. It's in terms of David. And I, again, we haven't got time to go in detail, but uh, David um, was persecuted by Saul. Is that right? And... Um, so, and you read about it in the Psalms, Psalm 35, Psalm 55. I mean, basically, David says, you know, Lord, uh, treat him as you would the chaff before the wind. You know, blow him away, Lord. May he fall into the pit that he's dug for me. His words are angry. They are. But David had the opportunity to kill Saul. Is that right? Yeah. What did he do? Had mercy on him, didn't he? He wouldn't touch the Lord's anointed. So he felt those things. Clearly, he felt those things. That's why we relate to the Psalms, because they express those emotions. He felt those things, but he did not allow those feelings to determine his behavior. Does that make sense? And that's what we must get right. Don't. Uh, what's the word? Don't hide those feelings. We just, I mean, it's normal. Normal to feel sad. Normal to feel anxious. Normal to feel concerned. Normal to um, be angry about things. In fact, there'd be something wrong with us if we weren't angry about some things. Is that right? But don't let those emotions determine how you behave. Your behavior must be appropriate, be constructive. Likewise, a pleasant emotion, a pleasant event, maybe you've had a business deal that's gone through, and you think fantastic, it's a pleasant emotion, there's a constructive way of dealing with it and saying, hey, there was a whole team that, that brought this deal together, well done guys, so chuffed that we've done this, and thank you Lord for, for enabling us, that's a constructive way, isn't it, to deal with that emotion. Uh, destructive might be to become arrogant and proud, you know, I'm the main man, look at me, you know. Does that make sense? So the, the emotion is absolutely normal. 
but what we do in it can be constructive or destructive. It's so important that we, that we realize that. We give ourselves permission to feel. We're going to talk about it just now. When you're talking to somebody else, when you're helping them, when you're listening, I don't know how many of you have done that part of the basic course, and you might be doing that. We're going to be talking about listening, the skills. You're listening, you're providing a safe place for people to be able to express mainly what they feel. And if they feel that you, it's bad to be anxious or depressed or angry, they're not going to tell you that. Is that right? And so you need to give them that safe place for you. It's actually fine. What you feel is what you feel. It is what you feel. God knows what you feel those things. And give them permission to express those things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Any comments or questions? Yes. I don't know if it's relevant to this, but I was wondering about emotional triggers. Yeah. Like someone experiences an, um, like an overbalance or too much of one emotion because of the past or something. Yeah. And then I think um, they could maybe experience a trigger, experience this emotion that's not rational or like right. thing, and then not act on it because they know it's not relevant to the situation. But I think, I don't know how it works, but the brain still like keeps you there. Mm -hmm. um, how, yeah, is there a way to like undo that? Yes, yeah, so again, you, if you're dealing with yourself, you need to ask those kind of questions. Um, but if you're dealing with someone else, you need to ask. So let me give you an example. I remember a couple who came to see me, um, and she said, I feel so angry with my husband. And he was this big, giant, gentle giant. And he so sat there grinning. At <laughs> and she said, but I just feel so angry with him, but I don't know why. So we did a little bit of exploration. Not my problem. Her problem. Just asked the questions. She did the exploring. Turned out she was the victim of childhood sexual abuse. Her own father had simply abused her. She never dealt with it. Never dealt with it. That anger was still there. And sometimes that, that, what, that is what happened. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, like yeah, something in your past. Yeah. And then, yeah, is it a. Um, yeah, and so maybe maybe she then realizes, I guess, because of past abuse, and then when that anger arises, um, is it as easy as. So, so you think it's as easy as, oh, this is. I'm not angry at him, I'm angry at. Well, it's not just as easy as that, um, but I think we're about to go on now to talk okay. about the things we do with our emotions, okay. and I hope that'll answer your question. Okay, sure. Okay. We uh, want to use this remaining half an hour to give you a couple of tools. Johannes uh, was just uh, reminding us to say that um, we tonight we try to give you a model which deals with um, some of the deeper emotional issues. Uh, on the basic counseling course, which some of you have been on and maybe some are going to be on, uh, we'll give you another model which is very useful. We'll give you a teacher a lot of skills which are useful in themselves. Um, and we might just use those skills and still be very effective. But we'll also give you a model which helps you deal with the kind of problem where someone says, listen, I'm in a situation, I don't know what to do. Not so much an emotional, there might be a lot of emotions involved with it, but they're not saying, hey, I'm suffering from depression, you know, help.
cover. They're saying, you know, this is the situation, and I don't want you to we teach your model how to handle that. Just helps them to help themselves. Helps helps you to help them to know what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's just to, to give you. So this is really to, to, to help with those deeper problems. We're going to talk about what we do with our emotions now. We've said it's normal, natural to have those negative emotions, uh, but it's what we do with them that counts. Maybe it's going to start. So one of the things that um, a lot of us do um, is to actually suppress our emotions. Because they are negative, because they're unpleasant, it's not very nice um, being angry, is it? It's not a pleasant emotion. Anxiety is a very unpleasant emotion. And so we can tend to push them down to suppress or to stuff it down or try and bury the emotion. The trouble with that is that when you bury an emotion, you don't bury it dead. It doesn't die when you push it down. It's rattling around inside there. It's alive. And it often will come out in other ways, seeking ways of expression which can be quite dysfunctional. So suppressing our emotions is not a healthy way of handling them because they will often come to the surface. And if particularly you believe that it's wrong for you to feel this way, I shouldn't be angry, then you will tend to suppress it and push it down. Mm -hmm. um, so you might believe, oh, I'm not a very emotional person. I'm much more of a rational person. But you know, we all are emotional beings. God has made us emotional beings. And we would tend to say, mm, I don't know if you're not an emotional person, you're just not in touch with your emotions. Or you're so used to suppressing your emotions, you just do that as a default. So it's not healthy to suppress our emotions. The second way that we handle our emotions is that we repress them often. And I think you were talking about that, mm. repression. Repression is when we experience something often in childhood which is highly traumatic. And it's so, it is so traumatic that actually our mind doesn't retrain, retain it. And we push it into the unconscious so that there is actually no conscious memory of that, or not much. And that is a way of handling extreme negative emotion, is to repress it, and to repress the memory of what caused that. It's a way of coping. It's a way that actually I think God has given in some ways for, us, for people to be able to handle extreme events in their lives is to actually push it down into the unconscious. But again, it's not very dead. It's alive and it's rattling around in there and it will come out sometimes like that, like an overreaction to some event. But it's actually not that event. It's the repressed event the repressed memory that is triggering that extreme emotion. And again, that's not a healthy way of expressing emotions. I do believe the Lord wants to bring those things to the surface and bring healing and restoration so that that person can experience normal expression of emotions. So when you um, suppress and suppress, let's take anger. I think anger is probably easiest to understand. 
But when we suppress anger and suppress and suppress, what happens? What's the result? It's physical. Yeah, you can get sick. Yeah, you can get sick. Yeah, you can get sick. Yeah. Rage. Yeah. So you can, so that's, you don't bury it dead. So, and that's what happened. And I'm sure you've heard these stories. I remember reading about a taxi driver in Cheshire in England um, who went on a rampage and shot a whole lot of people. And then they, they interviewed the neighbors and they said, we were such a quiet. Man, you know, he never sent me to a goose. Yeah, they probably had, but he was living with this mm. volcano. And slowly, 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 that volcano is going to go kaboom. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So um, we don't bury it. So that example of the, of the, 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 the woman who was sexually abused, she, so she had repressed that to the extent where she just didn't feature, <clears throat> but it was there. It doesn't go away. So we can suppress for various reasons. Uh, we can repress, which often is unconscious. We're not even aware of it. I think there's a slide. Yeah, here we are. So this is talking about anger. That's you know. So suppression is we conscious of it, um, but uh, repression is we often unconscious. We don't even know it's there, but it, we, it but it is there. And of course, often out of this kind of thing comes addictions because there's a lot of pain in there. Might not, not be able to put your finger on exactly what the pain is about because it's unconscious, but there's ways of dealing with it, and addictions often are a way of dealing with that. Uh, or it comes out like that lady I told you about who wanted to kill her husband, but she didn't know why. <laughs> um, and, but even grief, for example, if people don't, you talk about grief work, you know what I mean by that? They talk about the, doing the work of grief. Again, come on the basic and we'll talk about grief. Um, that there are normal, natural, negative emotions that we all experience when we suffer grief. But if you don't do that work properly, then it's likely to come out somewhere else. And quite often when you are dealing with somebody, and maybe you're dealing with their anger, and uh, they can't understand why they react like they do, it's something so small, maybe there's a major event that they've never really processed properly. Never really grieved properly. And they've got an anger about what happened, you know, what the doctors didn't do to their father or whatever, whatever. He died. They've never processed it properly. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you don't, uh, suppressing it doesn't work, repressing it doesn't work. Then the opposite extreme, of course, is, the, is when those emotions overwhelm us, they take control. This suppressing of emotions is overly controlling the emotion. The other side is when the emotion controls us. We become that emotion. So, you, you, know, you, you know people who are angry people, don't you? I'm sure you know people who are depressives, people who are anxious people. It describes them. It's who they are. Does that make sense? It's like that emotion has kind of overtaken their, their lives. And that's what gives negative emotions a bad name. Let's talk about anger, you know, you think, wow, oh, you know, why has anger got a bad name? Well, it's because of the damage done when that anger has controlled that person. They've lost their temper, that's what we say. Mm -hmm. And then they've done damage. And that's what, and then we take all of anger and we throw it out. It's not all of anger that's wrong, it's what they did with the anger. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's become a negative way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So what should we do with our anger? 
And really what we should be doing is this fourth one, is being able to express. We, we say it's important to be able to um, face it, acknowledge what that emotion is, remember emotional intelligence, is know what you're feeling. And it's, not, it, it, it's a skill to be learned. I know when, when we first married, um, Amy would say to me, you know, what's wrong? Nothing! <laughs> <laughs> it means everything. <laughs> but but some, of the, some of the the things was, I didn't know what was wrong. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I knew there was stuff going on inside me, but I didn't quite know what it was. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn, what is it that's going on inside of me? And I think part of the emotional intelligence is doing that. What is it? Try, try and name the emotion. Okay, what is this? What am I feeling? Am I, am I just mildly irritated or am I seething mad or, you know, is, is this just a concern or is this a real anxiety? In the, in the, um, in the basic counseling course manual at the back, there's a whole list of emotions that might help you to try and identify, this is what I'm feeling. And if you're helping someone, help them to, to identify, okay, this is what it is. And the other tool that can be useful is to give it a rating. But I'm feeling between, you know, today I'm feeling a three. I'm, 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 between one and ten, I'm like a three anxiety. But two days ago, I was at a nine. So what happened two days ago that you were nine in terms of your anxiety? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, but you, you, you're trying to help people and maybe help yourself get in touch with what it is. So face it, admit it, name it if you can. And then thirdly, uh, but not lastly, is find a way of expressing. What can you do to express an emotion, do you think? What are the ways that will help you? And if you're helping someone, you have to help them to be able to express. What are the ways you can express? Verbally process. Verbally process, yeah. <coughs> so just talk it out. A burden shared is a burden. Hard. Yeah. What else? Prayer. Prayer. And that's what the Psalms are, isn't that so? They're talking to God and they tell God how he how feels. And he knows what you feel, but it's not news to him. But you're getting it out. Is that right? Crying, good. So, crying, yeah. And that can be various. You can be angry. I know some people get angry and they cry. Some people get sad and they cry. Journaling. Journaling, yeah. Something about writing, I don't know what it is. Maybe it slows us down. I don't know. It's getting it out there. It's from out there to the page. Make sure no one's going to read it so you feel free to say exactly. So all of those things. So um, next slide, Alice. Uh, so here's different ways, to write a journal or a diary or a log, something like that. Uh, talk to a counselor or a friend. Talk to someone who's not going to tell you how you should feel. Does that make sense? Just who's going to accept how you are feeling. Not say, oh, you, should, you need to forgive if you're feeling angry. Uh, prayer, talking to God, be honest with Him, be genuine, speak from the heart. Talking to the trees, of course, I think, you know, just make sure no one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> Empty chair, I think, is a, is a tool where, you know, someone, for example, it's quite hard for someone to say something to someone that is angry or something like that. They can imagine them in the chair and they can say what they like. They're not going to do any harm, but they're getting it out. Yeah. So empty chair, write letters can be very constructive. Just um, don't send them. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, sometimes like writing letters to parents, for example, and just people who are deceased, and you're not talking to them, I'm not encouraging you to communicate with the dead, but it is you talking those things out. Does that make sense? So writing letters can be very helpful. You just actually screw up the letter and then send it. Um, but this can, can also, if you're particularly if you're artistic, to, to, to be drawing. This is how we, we do with children, but we should do it with adults as well. Um, you know, children will, will, will express a whole lot on a, on a page. And we can as well. And of course music can help. And then I'll put this right at the bottom because sometimes when you're really uptight to someone, I'm particularly talking about anger, you need to do all of these things before you do that <clears throat> because you want to have a constructive conversation. But sometimes that is necessary to talk to them and of course that can help. Just don't expect them to behave like you think they should. Does that make sense? Going with no expectation. And that's a whole topic all on its own. So having expressed, it is important then that you let go. And um, it doesn't matter what emotion you're talking about. When you, when you are angry, you need to express and then forgive. Is that right? Yeah. Forgiveness and anger are very closely related. They're part of the same continuum. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. to, be, to forgive, you need to get in touch with your anger. Otherwise, you'll never really forgive. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. So you get in touch with your anger, you find a way of expressing it, even if it's to the Lord, and then you let it go. See, there's two extremes. One is to not allow yourself to feel. The other extreme is to hold on to it and feel I have a right to be angry. I have a right to hold on to this anger. No, that doesn't, that's not helping either. So find a way of expressing and let go of anger. Well, I want to come to anxiety as well. Yes. When it's um, involving another person, do you think it's best to try and let go before you confront it? I think so, because otherwise, if you can, I think, but, but I think the confrontation can be part of it, as I say, as long as you don't have an expectation of how that person's going to respond. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know people who've gone in thinking, I'm going to go and confront this person, and they'll be sorry, and they'll, you know, repent and dust and ashes, and say, oh, I'm so sorry that I hurt you, and there was nothing of the, of the kind. They said, well, that's not what I, you know, I didn't mean to do that. It's not my, it's not my view of the events. And the person went, goes away more angry than when they started. Mm -hmm. You're just there to go and confront what they do with it up to them. But, but the point I'm making is express, let go. That's forgiveness. Anxiety, you get in touch with that anxiety. Express, how do you express? What's the best way of expressing anxiety? You okay. pray, is that right? <laughs> and then you let, leave it there. Take it to the cross and leave it. It's a real challenge, I know that. But you don't want to give it to the Lord and take it back. And I know we often do that, but you let it go. Isn't that so? And the pain as well of, of depression, when you have a real pain in your heart and a sadness, and you take it to the Lord and say, Lord, and you might weep before Him, but you want to leave it there. Alice? Um, just in terms of that forgiveness, um, in situations where somebody is hurting you on an ongoing basis, and let's say it's a parent or a family member that you can't necessarily completely distance yourself from. How do you forgive somebody who keeps on repeating the offence over and over and over? Yeah, it's a big topic, uh, but just to say very quickly is that uh, forgiveness is about the past, it's not about the future. Forgiveness doesn't mean 
there's not going to be consequences. And I make mistakes. So I can forgive, I have to, I'm obliged to forgive the past. The Lord doesn't give me an option. So I must forgive them. But that doesn't mean to say I'm going to tolerate the same sort of behavior in the future. I'm going to put in some boundaries. And I'm not just going to put up with this forever and ever and ever. Does that make sense? It's a big topic, I know. But that kind of links with what you were saying about confronting someone expecting a certain outcome. By putting boundaries in place, you're expecting them to respect your boundaries, you're expecting an outcome and they might not respect your boundaries. Okay, I understand what you're saying. And I would say that a boundary is saying this is, this is uh, the, the boundary and that's what the behavior that this person crossed. And if it is crossed, then this is what I'm going to do. Then it's in your control. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, if my wife, who is, uh, um, has, I don't know, she has an affair or something, and I'm obliged to forgive her. Um, but I, that doesn't mean just I'm going to put up with it forever. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. And I might say to her, well, yeah, I'm going to forgive you. And I want this marriage to work, and let's work at it. Let's look at why you did that, why, da, 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 da. But, Mm. Uh, if it happens again, then you must understand, and then it's tickets. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's a huge topic. Mm. What would I say? Sorry, can I ask a question? Yes. What if you go through all of it and then um, you can't forget, like you, you try, but you can't? Do you then swing through again? You might need to. Um, again, forgiveness is a huge topic. Uh, <coughs> um, so, but to I'll just quickly say that forgiveness is, is not a decision. It's not just one point in time. It's a decision. It is a decision, but it's also a process. So I might forgive and say, God, and I, I, I've had people who've sat them off and said, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And they can't. But they have made the decision, even though they don't feel like it, because they want to be obedient to God. They say, God, help me. So then they feel a bit better and they think, well, okay. Then the next day they remember what the person did and they want to kill them again. <laughs> and they go, oh, oh, you know, and they think, well, I didn't forgive them. No, you did. Just do it again. And do it again. And do it again. And do it again. Does that make sense? So you, and in the process, you're getting healed. And of course, you need to understand what it is you didn't get from that person and get that from the Lord. So again, like that, forgiveness is a huge topic. So, express and let go. Guilt, for example. You, what we do, we know what to do with real guilt. Of course, there's real and false guilt. Uh, real guilt, you need to confess to the Lord. But then don't hold on to it. Does that make sense? Leave it on the cross. So, it's so important that we express it. We're not denying it. We're not suppressing it. We're not allowing it to overwhelm us. We express, but we let go. Just that. Okay, and so we have 10 minutes to now do, um, we're going to learn something about what these negative emotions can teach us about ourselves, what's going on inside of us, and it's going to get us going. Okay, so we're going to have a look at the whole topic of emotions and goals. Uh, so if we could maybe advance about four or five slides ahead. Right, here we are, our emotions and goals. <coughs> so emotions are a bit like a warning light 
that comes up on the dashboard. Not if you have the odd bit of anger, the odd bit of sadness, depression, the odd bit of anxiety. We're talking here about a pattern of emotion. So if you are predominantly anxious a lot of the time, or you're helping someone who really struggles with anxiety and they feel worried and anxious a lot of the time, or an angry person who's really battling with anger, that is the sort of thing that we're looking at now, a pattern of ongoing negative emotion. That indicates that there's something going on inside that person that is not well. We are not meant to be living with chronic depression, chronic anxiety, chronic anger, chronic guilt. Um, and so it's also what we call a signal emotion. That emotion that's coming up all the time and signaling that all is not well within that person. And a way of looking at those negative emotions is by linking them to the goal that could be underlying the emotion. Subconscious. They are subconscious. We're often not aware of what those goals are, but they are often often triggering these emotions. So, um, a goal is something that we believe is necessary for our well-being. Okay. So let's take an example. Um, of someone who believes that we need this for our well-being. Um, it's again something that we not, may not be conscious of, but it's linked to those deep needs that Ian was talking about on Sunday. So let's say I have a deep need um, to be loved. Can you relate to that? Do you have a deep need, need to be loved? Do you need to feel safe? Do you need to be accepted? Do you need to feel like you belong? We all have that deep longing and need. So that's right down there at the root. Um, and I have a deep need to be loved. And so uh, subconsciously, I make it my goal that my husband is going to be the provider of that love. Okay, He is the one who gives me love. So every time he fails to meet that goal, which he will because he's not perfect, up will come that anger because that goal is being blocked. And this is what happens in our relationships. Often these goals are wrong. They're wrong goals. We shouldn't be setting goals like that that are reliant on other people to fulfill. And that goal, uh, these goals get thwarted in various ways and that emotion is a... Um, reaction to that goal being thwarted in some way. So there are four categories of negative emotions. Um, can we have the next slide? Anger, we can say, is a blocked goal. Okay. So my goal of being consistently and constantly being loved by my husband in the way that I want to be loved can, is a goal that can easily be blocked, and that will produce anger. Um, so, when some external circumstance um, blocks that goal, then um, up will come that emotion. So, 
I'll give you an example of how anger can be a blocked goal. Today, we were preparing this talk, and I said to Ian, I think you should leave out that section. It's not really key, it's not really critical. And then later on, he sent me the slides for the talk, and I could see that he had left in. <laughs> so I felt irritated and a bit annoyed. And then I thought, hang on, I better practice what I preach. Let <laughs> me think about this. Why am I feeling so irritated about this? What is the blocked goal? <laughs> what is the blocked goal here that uh, is causing this anger to rise up in me? And I realized my goal was to get my husband to do what I want him to do. <laughs> or to get him to listen to my advice. Now you'd think after 45 years of marriage, I would know that I can't get Ian to do anything. That <laughs> I can't get him to do anything. I can't make him do anything. Can you make any other person do anything if they don't want to do it? Can you make another person do what you want? No, you can't. So it is ridiculous having a goal like that. It's bound to get blocked um, at one stage or another. And so then I thought, okay, so what is the deep need that's driving that goal? Because there's a need underneath that goal. That achieving that goal gives me something. It provides a need. So what do you think the need was? Sorry? To be heard. Yes, it could be to her. To be heard. And what does being heard give me? Respect. Sorry? Respect. Respect, yes. I want to be valued. I want my opinion to be valued. You see, I'm saying my I'm valued when my opinion is valued and respected. Is that true? My value doesn't come from Ian respecting my opinion and doing what I say you should do. My value is intrinsically imputed by my Heavenly Father. I'm valuable whether Ian listens to me or not. Okay, so that is the kind of process that we need to try and help people to do, is that to let go of the wrong goals that are triggering these emotions, if that is what is causing them. If there is a, a, an ongoing problem with anger, then you could pretty much count on that person having a lot of wrong goals. A lot of oughts, shoulds, and musts. The oughts, shoulds, and musts of this world really get us into trouble because it's they ought to, they should, he must. And it's that kind of thing that really causes us to become angry people because people don't and they won't and they mustn't. <laughs> so um, let's have a look at the next category of, um, of emotions. I think you're going to do anxiety next, mm -hmm. are you? Okay, we, we're running out of time. In fact, we're almost out of time, Sam. Oh, yeah. Let's just quickly go through them and give you an idea. So anxiety is an uncertain goal. And remember, not a conscious goal. This is not a goal that you wake up in the morning and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this goal for myself. It's not a conscious goal. It's an unconscious goal that comes out of a need. And so it's a, a, anxiety is an uncertain goal. I, 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 there's an uncertainty within me whether I, this is going to happen or not. So I might walk into a room where I don't know anyone and I feel anxious. 
What might the uncertain goal be? I want to make friends. I want to make friends. Why? You want to be liked. I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. And maybe, you know, they'll look down on me and maybe I'm not as good as these people. You know, they're all such well-educated people and I can't speak like them and whatever, whatever, whatever. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I'm a bit uncertain. But am I ever going to get my value from those people? No. So it helps me. It helps me realize, okay, I've got a goal here that shouldn't be a goal. Does it make sense? And I get my needs met by the Lord, and I can let go of... It's a process. Does that make sense? It's a process. Uh, next slide quickly, because this is just another slide that helps with anxiety. This is, to me, gives me a very clear idea. So when reality is here and expectation is here, my goal, this might be others' expectation or my expectation of myself, but reality is here. The gap represents the stress or the anxiety. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So if you've got a parent that is putting a lot of pressure on you to perform, and that's that expectation, but actually reality is here, then there's a huge amount of pressure. Mm -hmm. And so how do, you how do you reduce this gap? Drop the expectations. Yeah, you've got to either, either you live up to the expectation, but if you can't, you have to change this. You have to lower the expectation to reality. And know that God accepts you as you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, let's go to the next um, slide. So that's anxiety. Depression is an unreachable God. It's despair. It's when, when I have longed and longed and I might have been, um, might have been anxious about whether it's going to happen. Is my marriage going to work? Is this relationship going to work? Do they really love me? Do they love me? Love me? And he's so critical and uh, she's so... Fussy and ah, you know, and eventually I just give up. Despair. I'm never going to get it. They'll never love me like I want them to love me. So when you're depressed, or when the person you're talking to is depressed, ask the question what is the goal or the need that they have despair of getting? They've given up. Does that make sense? And how can they have that need met appropriately? Am I making sense? Yeah. Mm. Yes. So, yes. you said, how can they have the need met appropriately? Often in the previous slides, you said that the, the need or the goal in and of itself was a wrong need or goal. Yes. In this case, you spoke about it being appropriately met, which seems like a different approach in a sense. So, what I'm saying is that my goal might be that my wife loves me like I need to be loved or respects me like I need to be loved. That I'm not in control of that. I can't make them do that. But what I can do is abandon that, that goal, and go to the Lord and say, Lord, please show me how you value me. Show me my, how you see me. Does that make sense? I can get my need met appropriately, but I must abandon this other goal. Does that make sense? So all of these goals are usually to do with people and the things of the world. And we've got to, in a way, let go of those things so that we can turn and say, Lord, help me have those needs met in you. It becomes a growth, a growth experience in him. But I've got to let go first. And sometimes we would say, God, please make my wife love me. <laughs> and we will cloak it in faith. You know, I'm believing that God's going to change my wife's heart and then she'll really love me. No. 
you know, he wants us to know that he loves us, that we must be alone. Okay, then finally, guilt. So shame and guilt is a missed goal. When we have a goal or expectation that we've missed, we've failed. Um, and of course, sometimes we have failed, we, and it's genuine guilt, and then we need to confess it, and we receive forgiveness. But a lot of guilt is a false expectation. It's what other people have put on us. It's those shoulds and musts and oughts that we've taken on board of ourselves. And we've fallen short. We've missed the goal. Does that make sense? You just feel like I don't measure up. Can't measure up. And there's a sense of shame. And it's for things like um, I'm not the right shape or uh, I don't earn enough. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think that's not an issue as far as God is concerned. And so again, it's coming back to me saying, well, what are you, what are you expecting? He's so gracious. Knowing that grace in him, we can let go of this expectation that we put on ourselves, usually from what other people have put on us. Okay, so we have really rattled through. So I'm going to give you a little illustration. I, 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 hope, it'll, I hope you'll relate to it all. Maybe the guys will relate to this more. But as a kind of summary of these goals and what they teach us, remember, unconscious goals. So anger is a blocked goal. Anxiety is an uncertain goal. Depression is, a, is an unreachable goal. Guilt is a missed goal. That's a kind of summary of it. But if you can imagine, I don't know whether... So I, I uh, enjoy Tottenham Hotspur. <coughs> and, and uh, you know, not, not, I'm not an avid fan, but if they're about to play, and if you're about to watch your team play, how do you feel? Excited. Yeah. Excited. Expectant. Expectant. A little nervous. Is that right? Because you know what the result is. A little bit unsure. It's an uncertain goal. And so then the game starts and the your centre forward is right in front of the goal and he has the whole goal in front of him and he boots and he misses the goal. How does he feel? Okay. <laughs> oh, well, I should have done it. He feels guilty and shame. <laughs> I should have scored this goal. And then the next moment... The, your guy does put a ball in the goal, and the, the, the VAR says, No! <laughs> Nonsense! Offsides! How do you feel? Angry. Angry! Some blocked goal! Rubbish! Fire the ref! <laughs> Where did he learn that business? Because <laughs> it's a blocked goal. And then you get to the end of the game, and guess what? You lost. <laughs> it's an unreachable goal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Just a little illustration to help you uh, real life. But so the, the, start on yourself, think about your dominant negative emotion, and then think, well, what's the goal? What's the what's the need at play here? And should that be a goal? Um, can I get that replaced by the Lord? But if you're helping other people, those are the questions you want to ask. You're not going to diagnose, you're not going to tell them, but your problem is this, you're going to help. They're going to give you the journal, and you're going to ask them, so what's the main thing that you deal with? And one, well, it's anxiety or whatever it is. Okay, so this is the principle. Anxiety is an uncertain goal. What do you think is the uncertain goal behind this emotion? What do you think is the need here that you're not certain you're going to get? 
Does that make sense? You give them the tools, they do the work. They're going to work it out. Yes, Alice. Um, Ian, sometimes with like deep-seated emotional problems, um, it feels to me like sometimes it takes a lifetime of very slow progress to gain meaningful progress and healing. Um, I don't know, do you have any comment on that? I mean, I think sometimes even with the, the hardest of work, it just seems sometimes that progress is very slow over a very long period. Yeah. Any comment on that? Um, what I would do is I'd go back to that beginning slide. So in other words, um, I would say that if you are trying to help someone and it is a long, slow process, which it does take patience, it does take a real commitment to that person, but whose problem is it? Yeah, and I don't need to be callous, it's just that you cannot fix anybody. Give them the responsibility. But I'm even talking, like, let's say for myself, I'll even say. Oh, well then, you must take responsibility, yeah. So I, I need to do the work. It's not just going to go away by itself. I need to do. So, tonight we've talked about some of the tools. So, a lot of the principles we talk, we, we, we put together in a course called Run to Win. Uh, and it is just, and it's a kind of a personal growth course. Now, we, we say right at the beginning, guys, you, you can sit here and you can learn these principles, but unless you put these things into practice, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's going to take you working at these issues that's going to bring any change at all. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It makes sense, except for one other aspect is like, I think, especially if there's incredible. It just seems to me like, let's say, if, if someone, if you grow up in a dysfunctional home, yeah. it just seems like the level of abuse that you may have received yeah. can be, it just seems that no matter how hard you work, it almost seems like an insurmountable mountain to climb. Yeah. And some therapy does take months, if not years. So, and I would say, yeah, do it. I remember counselling a lady who she has uh, left the country now, but she lived in an abusive home, horrible, physically abusive home. Nothing she did was ever good enough. And uh, that developed in all sorts of um, dysfunction. And part of the Christian, the Christian lady, was that she she could never say no to anyone, and particularly to church-related things. She always thought she had to say yes, 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 yes. We don't want to displease anyone. She was petrified of displeasing anyone, particularly the pastor. So you can imagine trying to live a life like that. Now, she came in, and initially she was nervous of me, and um, saying, oh, I don't know if I can do this, you know, I'll just come see you today, but I don't think I'll come back next week. Well, that was the start. I think it lasted about seven or eight months. And then she left the country. We could have continued, but it took time. It took time. Good. Time is gone. <laughs> Should we pray? <clears throat> Father, I thank you that you are the one who loves us, and Lord, ultimately you're the one that does the work in us. And I do pray that you'd give us understanding of these things for ourselves. I pray that you'd help us as we work them through. Uh, you know, Lord, it's as we work out our salvation, the fear and trembling, so you, you work in us, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I 
pray for us here, Lord, that you'd help us to be able to put these things into practice and work them and understand what's going on inside of us. But Lord, help us also, equip us to be able to help others as well. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. 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 So just to give you a kind of heads up of where we headed, we, we uh, did physical and emotional tonight. We're going to do volitional behavior and why we do the things that we do. And then we're going to do rational, which is all about uh, our thinking and how our thinking is so often distorted and how that causes problems for us. And then uh, the sermon on Sunday kind of dealt with the spiritual and all, it all heads that way. Uh, which is why I preached it at the beginning was, was I think it was useful. But so this next next Tuesday we're going to be doing a volitional, what we call the volitional, the behaviour, and the motivation for the behaviour, and rational. And again, a lot of tools that will help you not only understand yourself but understand others as well. Yeah. And then after that, that's next Tuesday, and then following that we're going to deal uh, specifically with things like anxiety, depression. Uh, I can't remember how many. Yeah. Self-esteem. What's that? Yeah, we kind of debated. I need to in the chapter uh, whether we do self-esteem. Uh, I thought about doing guilt as a topic on its own. Self-esteem is a lot to do with guilt, so I might talk about self-esteem. Anyway, those are, that's kind of what's on the cards for the Tuesday. Sure. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.